Hey y'all, this is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 2 of season 2. There will be a low humming sound in this particular recording. I've got some chickens in an incubator, and that's not all. (laughs) So it's going to be very difficult for me to have a completely clean recording. There's no place to put them, because I'm expecting a grandbaby in the next... Mm, 36 hours. I know I promised y'all that I'd be back and that I wouldn't just disappear again, and I certainly did not mean to. It's not a good look. I did a great nine months without this kind of thing, but we got hit with everything. We got hit with chicken sickness and some strange new developments with the baby that's coming, my first grandbaby. And between taking care of all those chickens and harvesting and canning and really being there for my son and my daughter-in-law, I didn't have any extra time. And so I'm going to attempt to do a longer podcast for y'all. So first, let's catch up a bit. I think that's pretty important. We've gotten to know each other pretty well over the last, what, year So here is how everything came crashing down around us without any warning. I know, I'm about to talk about chickens and some of y'all just need to go ahead and skip ahead because I cannot help myself. This is part of my life and my chickens are my antidepressant. They're my pets. I love them. But I made a really horrible mistake. Let's just kind of start at the start. I've had chickens for 10 years. And while we have had a dog get in to the coop before, and we have lost a couple of chickens that way, other than that, there's been no sickness, no illness. Hell, as far as I could tell, we didn't even have worms. I mean, it was a good run. I still have one, two, two of my original girls, and they are working on being a decade old. So when I saw a chicken go limp and not be able to walk, I didn't understand. I thought, well, it was a young roo. I'd grown him out from an egg. And he was in with another young roo that was just like mm, four or five weeks older than him. And I thought, well, that the older one had gotten a hold of the younger one. And it made him kind of limp about. If only I'd known then, I would have jerked him out of there so quick. But your first time dealing with a tragedy that you've never dealt with before... I mean, it's a learning experience. Now, I did have that little witch's thing in the back of my head, you know, that little alarm we get. It was popping off quite a bit. So I did go Google, you know, and never do that if you don't know what you're doing. One of the things I've learned out of this process, which I'm going to review, is find extension, you know, like extension offices, find extension publications. Talk to your local poultry science department. Google only gets us so far. I I feel like Google and and forums on all manner of subjects are sort of your your soft beginning. 
you know, so you know what to go actually research. I mean, any Tom, Dick, or Harry could say whatever they want to on a forum, and we can't take that as law. It just sort of goes into our thinking processes about what we're going to find. And by the way, that could be a lesson for the craft as well. You know, Googling is fun, especially when we land on those sites that are purple and have little sparklies and isn't that neat? But that's not necessarily good research. That's just sort of your start and your fun. So I Googled and the first thing I came to was the worst thing and it was called Merrick's disease. But I talked to my chicken friend, the one who had loaned me or given me over, I guess, seven chickens this year. And she told me (laughs) she had a lot to protect. She told me that it was rare. You know, you would think that I would learn my lesson on trusting folks. You don't trust people like that until you've known them for years. I don't care if you've had a wonderful wine night together or you just get that feeling in your chest about them. Well, isn't that sweet? Don't trust people until you have real time under your belt. But she told me it was rare and there was no living way that I could have Merrick's in my flock. And then the next one went limp. And then the next one. And then the next one. So I started to do necropsies. Um, We have a state lab and It's fairly cheap, and I started to do necropsies, and they kept coming back with, it looks like Merrick's. Long story short, it is Merrick's. I jerked everybody out of that coop that she had brought me, every one of them, and I called her, and a lot of them cost a lot of money, and I called her and I said, you know, come get them, or I'm going to have to dispatch them. Come get them. She was still very insistent it wasn't Merrick's, so... She wanted them, and she came back and she got all of them and uh, kept all the money I'd given her for another chicken that I'd bought that she now has, $50 chicken. Kept all of the little chicks that I'd hatched out and sold them for herself to make that money. And then, of course, kept the money that I'd given her for one of those little to-go coops that she was building for me. So I'm out quite a lot of money. But the money didn't matter to me. What mattered to me was that we have to deal with Merrick's and our flock. That mattered to me quite a lot. I'll let you do the research on it. Um, It's heartbreaking. But y'all should know that I am, um, I'm a problem. I'm a witch with a doctoral degree and I'm an Aries. So this means that I talk to every single poultry scientist I could get my hands on. And I don't mean my friends. I didn't have a single friend who was a poultry scientist. I mean, I bothered the living shit out of them. I sent every chicken to necropsy. I insisted on speaking to the researcher who did the work. I wanted uh, serology done on their blood and PCRs. I wanted this sent off to Georgia, where they have a definitive test. I ended up befriending the head of the lab. I ended up talking to the head of poultry science for about two hours. And here's what I found out. I found out that I was the very first backyard farmer, in this area at least, that they had ever heard from with this kind of tenacity or questions. It's usually, oh honey, you have X and there's a lot of diseases out there. And then 
the farmer or the person who just has a backyard flock goes, okay, and they kill them all or they let them die slowly and they just move on. And y'all should know if you've listened to any of my ramblings that that ain't me. So I grappled with it. I grappled with, yes, it does make me kind of a bad witch. I grappled with a complete cull. Now, in my defense, I didn't want to see him suffer. But at the end of this, I don't know, month-long research and heartbreak to see chickens that I love that have names die, here's what I found out. I found out that you can live with this and that it tends to hurt the chickens, you know, that are young. Definitely under six months because that's all that died on my property but I think up to a year, and you can move on, knowing that eventually Merrick's will take them, but that in some cases, if you take care of their immune system, they can live for, you know, a very long time, and of course, knowing that I would put them out of their misery if I saw them suffer, so I had to make this choice. Now, if I wanted to stay in the chicken business, which I was just rearing up, y'all, I had just gotten all of the chickens I wanted, all the colors that were going to make all these fluffy gray silkies and black and blue splash. And then, of course, my coachings and all of this. I had just gotten everything I wanted. This was the year that I built and, and was steadied up and was about to make some money. I have three incubators. We have beautiful, still-constructed runs Everybody spoiled rotten. I was like, this is it. You know, we're finally ready. And I cleaned all my incubators and I put them all out there in the tool shed. And I guess I felt fairly good about myself, which I don't think necessarily deserves a slap in the face. How often do we get to feel fairly good about ourselves? You know what I mean? Hard work, paying off, and and then deciding to go to rest over the winter. And of course... That's when it all started happening. I remember the day that uh, I had saved all the chicken eggs and Harriet, I know y'all know about Harriet. Harriet had several eggs that I thought were viable. And the more I researched and the more I learned, the more terrified I became. And on that last day of viability, which we don't even have a whole lot of hope after 10 days, I've heard of miracles, but I talked to a friend of mine. Y'all need to go follow her work. She has a blog at Pajamas, Books, and Chickens. But she also has, and I think I brought this up before, I want y'all to check it out. It's really cool. Farmerish Journal online. I'll put a link in the description here so you can follow that. But I talked to her, and I talked to my husband, and I talked to my little chicken friends, my little Ashley Angel. I had given her so many of my chickens before this happened. I reckon, I, I do believe that every chicken she has in her yard was uh, from me. Uh, so she's got some pretty magical chickens. And um, the consensus was that I needed to brave up through the tears and put those eggs in an incubator. And that's terrifying. Literally terrifying. But if something happened to Harriet, I would regret not having her ex. So I did. And then I researched vaccines. And there's a lot of misconception about that out there. Even with uh, state investigators and some scientists. 
there's some pretty heavy misconceptions out there about um, the Merrick's vaccine. But really, the only way to fight this disease, and I mean, even if you don't have, you know, chickens you've brought in, the only way to fight it is to have vaccinated birds. And so it's very doubtful that I'll actually keep these birds. I'll probably give them to my little friend Ashley. But I will know that Harriet's baby's out there somewhere. What's really interesting about this whole little bit of hill that we had to crawl through over the last 30 days is that everything went wrong. Everything. And there at the last hour, I threw eggs in an incubator because I've got this horrible thing about me. I could be in the blackest of places and still want to fight. You know, sometimes it doesn't show up very clearly, but I wanted to fight. So I did. And they're due the same day, here in, you know, two days, as my grandbaby. And that situation also went awry, but it's going to be fun. I don't want to talk too much about how or why, but we're going to have to have surgery to get that sweet little angel out. So I'm going to have baby chickens born and a baby witch angel from heaven born in two days. And it was a tough struggle getting here. There was a lot of loss. There was a lot of grief. There was a lot of, I don't know, uh, fallen dreams. And still, nothing could stop life from happening. So here we go. I'm very excited. I'm a little overwhelmed. And for anybody who's interested or ever followed any of my blog posts, Harriet is still alive. But I'm sure that y'all know this has been a booger of a year. This is the first year without my Halloween party, and I do mean a Halloween party, not a Samhain party. This is the first year I can't hug my tribal mates. Um, I used to always have roasted pumpkins and made pumpkin soup, and then poured that soup in those little roasted shells and all the toppings, and we had so much fun, and we did a Burning Man every year. And, you know, I don't know how much of that can happen this year. I mean, life went sideways. I mean, didn't it for all of us? And so I think I've been, you know, I guess a little bit of a baby, a child lately. I think I've been kicking my feet and having me come apart. I wanted the baby to be born in the house. I wanted my chickens to not be sick. I wanted to have a Halloween party. I wanted to dance around a fire on Samhain. You know, I'm forgetting all of the things that I'm allowed to have this year. Now, I don't like to shame folks for, I don't know, grieving what year we could have had, struggling through this. I don't don't want to shame myself. This has been so difficult. This has sucked donkey balls. But here it fucking is. And we have no choice. So, well, actually we do. See, that's the, that's the, the clincher, isn't it? We do. We can throw eggs in the incubator. <laughs> we can have hope. And, and, you know, not everybody wants to do that. And I think that's a fair decision, too. But for me, I, I was going down. So much loss, so many money problems, so many things did not go well. And I'm telling y'all right now that 
the loss of a pet, whether it be a chicken or a parakeet or a dog, it's worth grieving. It's worth hurting over. God, I hate to say this, but I had forgotten to note that no one in my family has died of COVID. And I don't mean that in some kind of weird political conservative way. There's a reason. (laughs) Oh God, there's a reason. We sanitize our groceries still. Yes, that's us. You know, we are still in a pod of people that we are allowed to talk to up close. We wear N95s. We wear gloves. We worry ourselves sick over not catching it. So there's a reason. <laughs> it, it's it's not like we were special or anything. Quite the contrary. I, I believe that our luck is not that great. So but I had forgotten to count my blessings on that. I had forgotten to say, you know, we still had a harvest. Um, we still have friends that are willing to come out here and sit 20 foot away, even if they maybe don't, some of them not believe the way we do. We still have our family. The baby is still being born. And Harriet's still alive. You know, I don't know if depression just sort of grabs you by the tail feathers and spins you up where everything has this layer of, I don't know, gloom over the top of it where you can't enjoy a flower, where you can't laugh, you know, and and, and depression was doing that to me. And I have suffered with it on and off my entire life. So sometimes for me, the little things are the little life rafts, you know? little tiny life rafts. But that's not really where I'm going today, y'all. Yesterday, I was on the phone with Janus, one of my best friends in the entire world. And I was, I don't know, um, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm not a young woman anymore. I've spent all of my money to support these kids having the baby in a pandemic when we've lost jobs and when our money was tight. And I've spent money and energy trying to save all these chickens and all the while, you know, working and harvesting. And I'm so, I'm so, I'm really tired. And I told Janus, I have to go feed this chicken with a syringe. And, you know, it's been almost two weeks and it's starting to look like she's not going to make it. And I said, maybe I should just let go. Just let go. Let her die. And he said, don't you know what you're doing? You're paying soul tax. And at first, you know, like any time he says something like that with his Aspie autistic self, I get a little confused. I sometimes need a bridge to understand my <laughs> one of my best friends in the world and get what his meaning is. And I, I just said, yeah, okay, whatever. Let me go feed her. But then today I called him and I said, honey, what did you mean? You know, because, you know, soul tax kind of makes me feel like we're getting into the realm of dogma or, you know, politicized religion. And he said, no, 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 no. He basically meant the price you pay to keep your soul. And I kept pushing him. I'm like, what do you mean? Because Janus is not one of those classic thinkers, you know, he doesn't think about souls the way a lot of religions think about it. He said, your nobility. It's not really quite your identity, but that's in there too. It's who you are, or I think more importantly, 
who you want to be. And that stopped me cold. Okay, so why in the goddamn hell am I out here feeding this chicken every day with a syringe, seeing her with her eyes closed and she's not making it and it looks like I'm an idiot. What in the hell has that got to do with my soul? And then I got it. It's who I want to be. Who I wake up every day and strive to be. And I have to pay a tax for that. I get it. And then we talked about it a little bit. And I was like, okay, so what if I don't want to pay this tax anymore? Does that mean I lose my soul? And he was like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. It means that something's going to change about you. Something about your identity or about who you want to be is going to change. And that's okay. That's not a binary good or bad. It is just change. But when you get up every day and you're so tired and you put on, I put on PPE, the hat cover and the gloves and a clean shirt and all of that so I don't spread any disease. And the chances of this little girl living are very slim, very slim indeed. And so that begs the question, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I continuing? And I don't really have that all formulated out yet, but it has to do with soul tax. When I fell in love with a chicken and I decided that I was going to see them in a different light and I was going to care about them in a different way, it changed who I was. And it's not just chickens. It's the dogs I save. It's the students I continue to work with. It's what I'm willing to sacrifice for my children. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think about the soul tax is a daily thing, you know? We actually make the choice when we wake up, I think. I know I do, to decide who we want to be that day. And sometimes that's not as rosy and pretty as we wish it was, you know? Sometimes that means that we're going to have to pay for that if that's who we want to be. Now, Janus went ahead and made sure I understood his thinking on this, and he said it's not really about martyrdom, although it might look like that from time to time or even be that briefly, but inevitably it cannot be about martyrdom because that's suffering for suffering's sake, and that's no longer a tax. And you know, there's often a reward for this kind of stuff. I think the important thing is is that there is no no guarantee that there'll be a reward. I think there's just this understanding that I have to have in my heart when I wake up every morning and I'm facing a tough day that I could make it very untough in about five minutes. For instance, not now, I don't mean about everything, but I mean about some things. I could decide I'm not going to save this chicken anymore. And if I don't have the heart to dispatch her, I could take her over to the vet and put her down. Okay? Or I could keep her alive one more day and hope that she recovers, and that's going to be a cost to myself. That's going to be me out there on my hands and knees again, feeding her four times, three times a day with a syringe, and it's not fun, y'all. I think at the end of the day, what he was talking about was 
the tax you're willing to pay for who you want to be, what life you want to live. But you know, sometimes, sometimes we know what the tax is and we pay it for a really long time. And when we started, it was a good thing. It was something that we felt was valuable and worth it. For instance, teaching, you know, in any capacity. There's a tax for that. (laughs) I will tell you, there's a high tax for that. And sometimes it starts out being something that is worthy of your time and of your money and of your heart and of your, I don't know, soul. And that thing, though, can change over the years. And then one day, you know, the tax is just too high. I think what he was trying to say to me, what I'm starting to kind of dig on, was that to not be self-aware, to not work through who you want to be, you're probably still going to pay a heavy tax for that, by the way. As we talked about today on the phone, no choice is a choice. But for something that you really want to be, who you really want to be, you're going to have to pay for that a little bit. But if it's something you value about yourself, it might be worth it. You know, I also asked him, does this mean that if I don't want to pay for something anymore, does that mean that I'm a bad person or that I'm going to lose that thing? And, and that's not what he was talking about at all. You know, it's more about deciding I'm going to be noble in this way. And this is what it's going to cost me. And that's okay. And I wake up every day and I, I do it again. If that thing ends up being unhealthy, I'm not going to do this anymore. But it does usually mean if you don't want to pay the tax on something, then you got to give it up. Does that make any sense? Then you got to give it up. So that's okay. At the end of the day, it means that something will change. That nothing will stay th- that particular way if you don't want to continue to pay for that thing. I know this sounds a little rambly, and that's okay because I'm going through a thing. But I was talking to my friend Crystal right as I was losing these chickens. And honestly, I think she may be the only person on the planet that really got what that meant to me. And she told me that she went through something last year, and I won't share her story because it's private, but she went through something with her chickens And it broke her heart too. She said that she learned hardened parts of herself so that she could move on and continue. But I don't think she did. The next time I talk to her, I'm going to tell her that I don't think she hardened herself. I think, as my friend Jana said today, I think what she did was pardon herself. It's okay that you lost that battle. It's okay that you weren't able to save them. But the most important thing she said to me was, who's going to grieve them if not me? You know what? Life comes into this world and is snuffed out for this reason or the other reason. But there's just nothing more tragic to me, nor do I believe to her, than a life that's not recognized in some way. And it leaves the world and y'all who will mourn it. Who will have known their name? This could be about anything that has a life. But in my world, in my world, it was about silly ass chickens. But let me push this just a little bit further. I'm sure that Janus would not mind me telling this particular part of his story. And while we were talking today, 
I said, okay, I need to push this further. I'm not really getting what you're telling me. And he said, okay, you know how I always tell you, Seba, that I could defend myself in a situation, but I've promised someone an oath of secrecy. And then I will sit there and let myself be plummeted and destroyed in the public eye because I cannot break my oath. And I'm like, yeah, it drives me crazy (laughs) to see him just sit there and, and even oftentimes be attacked, but he won't break privacy if he's promised someone he won't say something. You know, he says, you know, he's autistic and he says, it's important to me to decide who I'm going to be. If I got rid of that part of me, then I would really change. And he believes to the worst. So he holds this really tight. But there's a cost. There's always a cost. And in the end, that's sort of what nobility is, isn't it? It's believing in a thing about who you want to be, paying the price for that as much as you can, and standing true to it every day. That's nobility. Nobility is, for me, could be as minor as putting the name on a recipe. Down here in the South, I don't know about y'all where y'all live, but it's really important to us. You know, if it's Aunt Mabel's chicken casserole, well, when you write that down and then you put it out there, you better have Aunt Mabel in the title of that. That's a tiny moment of nobility. Nobility is standing by somebody when they're not popular anymore, you know, and being their friend, regardless of what it will cost you in the social sphere. That's nobility. Nobility is (laughs) weed eating around a pepper plant that decided to come back from another year and is trying desperately to give you fruit, even though it's right in the middle of your yard. (laughs) But you see, I think at the end of the day, Nobility is what we decide it is and what we're able to pull off in our lives. I don't know. Nobility is a lot like porn, isn't it? You know it when you see it. Nothing wrong with porn. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you know it when you see it. So today, what I want to be, and the reason I want to be it is I find it noble and it's part of my identity is I want to be a good steward of those chickens. They didn't ask to get sick. It was my damn mistake. I'm the one who let it happen. I didn't research well enough. And now I'm going to take good care of them. Uh, Nobility to me is that even though I'm broke and I'm tired, we are cleaning this house and we are studying up for that little baby to come over here and recuperate with her mama. And I'm making her poppy seed chicken and homemade curry chicken salad. Yes, yes. I said chicken, yes. That's what she wants. And and I guess my nobility. And uh, only if it were my chickens would it be. And homemade lasagna. And she wanted Sister Schubert's cinnamon rolls. And that is my nobility. I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to suck down any time I get tired. And I'm going to rest when the baby leaves. I'm going to even ask for rest. I'm going to ask for what I need. But I've decided, no one's making me do it, that this is the nobility and the soul, you know, the soul that I want to own in the next few days. 
And if I decide any of that changes, I have to accept that I will change too. So I'ma pay my damn soul tax. Y'all feel me? I'ma pay it. I'ma bitch about it, but I'ma pay it. All right, that's it, y'all. I hope everything's okay with you. I don't know when I'll podcast again, but I do know eventually I'll probably be back. Love you. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.